Hello, this is Brad Schwartz, professor and chairman of Southern Illinois University School of Medicine. On behalf of Richard Wolf Medical, the Endourological Society, and the Journal of Endourology, I would like to welcome you to the latest release in our podcast series. Each month, we will be presenting a current events topic of interest to our listeners. Today, we have uh, Dr. Mitchell Humphreys, the current chair and professor in the Department of Urology at Mayo Clinic. In addition to being the Endourology Fellowship Director, Dr. Humphreys is also the Dean of Mayo Clinic School of Continuous Professional Development. Mitch, welcome. Thank you so much for your time and uh, your generous insight into uh, these topics, and uh, we welcome you to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it. So today we're going to be discussing uh, the use of fluids and fluid management during endoscopic urologic surgery. Mitch, what? just tell us a little bit about uh, what is fluid management? Uh, what kind of systems might be available for fluid management? And just what, what does that mean? How, how do we go about that interpretation and how do we apply that to, to what we're trying to, to learn about fluid management and surgery? Yeah, so I, I think this is an important topic and uh, you're going to hear a lot more around this uh, buzzword of fluidics and uh, fluid management during surgery because whenever we do surgery, the key is visualization and these fluid management systems help us with visualization help us to do the procedures safely, quickly, more efficiently. And so we talk about fluidics and fluid systems. We've been doing it forever. Ever since there was endoscopy, we've been using it, whether it's just a normal bag, gravity fed, 40 centimeters above the table, 60 centimeters above the table, pressure bags that can augment that flow. Um, there's also hand syringes, there's foot bulbs, but now there's some newer systems on the market that are automated fluidic management systems. And those are starting to make more of an entrance into the market. I wouldn't say that they've fully penetrated yet, but the advantages of these systems where the others may be manual, they may be prone to either excessive pressures or not enough pressures. Um, the new automated systems try to create a safety barrier to allow adequate fluidics for visualization, for distension, for what you're trying to do for your operative management procedure. And when we think about this, we're talking about the host of procedures, whether it's simple cystoscopy, diagnostic cystoscopy, um, ureteroscopy, percutaneous procedures, um, PCNL. Also, when we start to talk about BPH management procedures, such as TERPs, um, HOLIPS, um, PVP, button vaporization, TURBTs, any of these things that require continuous flow and visualization, these are where these systems potentially have an opportunity to assist the surgeon in what they do. And there's a lot of bias. So if you talk to 10 urologists, uh, you may get 10 different uh, answers on what they like and why they like it. There's some good things and bad things about the different systems, but the new automated systems, largely in the US marketplace, are either the Rocaflow, which usually was formerly uh, distributed by a company called uh, Cogentix, I believe. Now I believe it's distributed by Olympus. And then there's also the Thermodex Fluid Smart that is distributed by Wolf. Um, both of them have that automated fluidic potential. There are differences to the systems, differences to how they work, differences to the end effector. But at the end of the day, they're trying to do that automated fluid management system to make it easier for the surgeon. 
And so when you say the, the fluidics, um, can you just expand? So let's say during a perk, we, we want to, obviously the pressure I think makes, makes uh, you know, I think most people would agree that pressure is probably important. And temperature, maybe the volume, are there other parameters that are measured and that are kind of crucial in the, in the continuous monitoring during these procedures? What other types of variables do you look at? I think it is. And so going back 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago, when we started doing perks, there was always a lot of detail on how much fluid you were putting in and how much was coming out of the Foley catheter because you were concerned about that fluid balance. These new systems can now monitor that balance for you, especially with the Thermodex Fluid Smart. And to be fully transparent, that's the system that I have the most experience with that I've used the most. Um, but with that system, you get to know the temperature of the fluid. It can heat it up to, I believe, 40 uh, degrees centigrade. You can change the pressures anywhere from 30 to 300. It will monitor how much fluid you put in, will monitor how much is coming out. Um, it can also tell you the rate that your fluid's going in. And so, for example, when you're doing a PCNL procedure, if it's a, it's a big stone, something like that, and it's gonna be prolonged, having that warm fluid has some physiologic benefit for the patient. Also having good control of that renal pelvic pressure is important because you wanna distend it enough to see it, but you don't wanna over distend it to risk perforation, fornicial rupture, you don't want to get into that uh, pylovenous backflow situation where you risk transient bacteremia or endotoxins potentially getting into the circulatory system. So it's really trying to find that fine balance. And that's where these systems can be of uh, help in doing that. Just a point of clarification, we're, we're able to measure the pressure at the, at the machine, at the unit, at the, at the device. Are we able to get feedback and then translate what the intrapelvic pressure is, or we just rely on what the outgoing pressure is? So we, we have to kind of rely on the outgoing pressure in current states today. However, with that said, um, I believe Traxer just published a study last month um, where he used a sensor wire, attached it to a pressure transducer, and monitored the entire pelvic pressure using a simple wire or device that we're already using in endourology, right? So it's not like you have to introduce another piece of equipment, you're modifying equipment that's already there. And, and in that trial, it was pretty reliable. Now, some of the things, some of the studies done with these automated devices, I believe Dr. Manga, uh, who's now at UCSD, published a study where they looked at the actual pressure of these devices in, in the patient rather than the reading. So there's a, there's a margin of error. With the Thermodex, it's about 15 uh, millimeters of mercury. With the Rocaflow, it's about five millimeters of mercury. But what I will say is that with the Thermodex, you put a cartridge in and that can heat and it can reach its peak temperature within eight minutes for, distribute, for distributing to the patient and keeping kind of that temperature. Whereas with the Rocaflow, it uses actual um, chambers to create pressure to create that flow and also heat the fluent, it may take up to 18 minutes to get that same kind of peak temperature transmission in the Roca flow device. Okay, I, you know, you're, you're a world authority on whole procedures, Mitch, and, and we all know that. I, what what have, uh, have you been using these for your uh, transurethral procedures and where have you felt that they actually help and assist uh, the surgeon in, in monitoring some of these things? I think it helps a lot in my transurethral procedure. So I do use it in my enucleation. And what I find that it does 
is by having a consistent flow that goes in, I'm able to get better hemostasis faster, quicker, and easier. And if there is a situation where temporarily you can turn it up and then turn it back down. So we've found it to be very efficient and um, it's actually decreased our procedure time. So um, I've really liked these in my transurethral procedures and we've almost exclusively switched to that. That comes from where I started where we actually had a, a lift in our ceiling and we used to hang bags on that ceiling. I would say the one downside in a, a nucleative procedure is these devices only hold two bags. Whereas we may have four bags hooked in series, which means it's less work for the nurse. This is a little bit more, but, but the smart thing of what these devices do is they help the surgeon because they have built-in safety devices. So when the bags start to get empty, there's a chime. So they know that they need to change a bag. So you never run into that situation where you run out of fluid. They also can have safety functions where if you overpressurize something or it detects a quick change in pressure, like if you perf or something like that, because there's a, a quick loss of pressure, the device will send a chime or a warning. So what it's starting to do is it's starting to make surgeons better and increase the safety margin of some of these procedures, both for enucleation and for other um, endoscopic procedures we do. Switching gears a tiny bit, what would you say to the naysayer who says, boy, you know, these these are really, they can be kind of expensive uh, items for our OR. Uh, they require a little bit of training. They can break. They might require ongoing, you know, uh, rep kind of uh, uh, oversight. And I, I don't need that. I have a I have a 60cc syringe. I have some tourniquet tubing, and I have a three-way stopcock, which costs me about nine and I can just little, you know, literally control the flow of my water and, and get visualization just as easily and just as well. Uh, how do you, what's your response to that? And, and obviously, I, I, there's clearly a difference. Um, yeah. I guess I'm going to the cost and maybe the ongoing kind of, uh, you know, maybe equipment concept versus just some disposables that are easily at hand. What my first response would be is that, honestly, you should do what works best in your hands. Nobody has your experience and those things. And so quite honestly, I would never try to talk somebody that's very successful at what they do to changing just for the sake of change. However, you know, I do train residents and that's an important safety margin for doing those things. So for example, everybody loves the hand syringe because when you give that pulse, you see really well, but there's data to show that when you give that pulse to see, you can get pressures over 400 millimeters of mercury. And whether you recognize it or not, that can have a physiologic uh, complication on the patient. So, you know, a lot of us think, you know, we, we don't have complications until we're faced with them, but there's been some really good prospective randomized data looking at the hand pump just versus a standard irrigation flow rate, showing things that, um, that the risk of uh, inflammatory syndrome goes from 1% to 7.6%, post-operative fever from 1% to 9%. Um, so people that say that it never happens to them, I applaud them. I think it's great. I don't think that they need to change. For the rest of us, anything we can do to increase that safety margin is an important thing. And the other thing that I would say is that where fluidics is going, this is advancing and eventually there will be pressure monitoring. And if I were to put on my future optic glasses, there's eventually going to be systems that integrate 
fluidics, with ureteroscopy, with laser lithotripsy, and it's going to be tracking all these things. So the more comfortable and facile you are using some of these advanced fluidic systems, you're going to be well positioned to take that next step and decrease your learning curve of what comes next on the technology. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I'm supposed to say or not say, but I know that a four bag fluidic system is coming out very soon. Uh, I don't know when, I don't know what the regula regulations are around that, um, but I think that will ease some of the operating room staff's pain and in in changing those bags compared to what we uh, normally use. But I think that these things aren't mandatory, these are enhancers, but there is some really good data showing increased uh, OR efficiency, patient safety, and people may think, well, boy, if I save five minutes, 10 minutes every day, is that enough to make a difference? It's enough if your day, you save enough of those five or 10 minutes where you can put another case on, right? That, that's really the litmus of the value of these. And so what's the value of doing one more case for an additional patient to help them in a day versus spreading that out to another day? And that would be my overall response. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, I think it's well thought out and, and um you know, I, I, clearly technology is, is sometimes slow to adapt, but I, I think ultimately the good technology, the smart technology, the things that really make us more efficient and safer truly win out in the end. So on the heels of what you just said, I, I guess I'd just like to maybe close with a, a question or a comment to you that sure. I, don't, I don't get the feeling that these are really in truly widespread use yet. They may be more widespread than, than I think, but what will kind of force this to become commonplace? How do we how do we disseminate these these devices into the ORs to make sure that they're utilized and, and that we can assure the safety and efficiency of our ORs? I, I think you're exactly right because you know it's one of those things that as more things get published, then people are going to be willing to try them more. And to be honest. I was a pressure bag person with a stopcock because with that pressure bag, and then I could regulate my flow with that stopcock. I didn't need an assistant. I could do it. I could take care of it. I did everything I needed to do. And I didn't feel like I had complications, but then looking at some of the data and things like that, I said, oh yeah, I do remember a, a guy I did and he did have a post-op fever and his blood cultures were all negative. And, you know, so I think it's one of those things. The first thing is to have that open conversation and that willingness of thought to be willing to try something. I think as you see more data in the literature, I think more people will gravitate to it. And if you can show the value where their pain points are. So instead of needing an assistant, being completely self-sufficient, getting that data, adding that element of patient safety is gonna be important. And I think that is the payer system, at least in the US changes and starts to track quality complications and those kind of things, then you can even make that case for protecting your patients even more. And so that may force a little bit of change. I think you're going to see some new technologies in the disposable scope arena and some of the other disposables that are going to integrate with fluidics. So if you're not on board with fluidics, you're going to have a hard time adapting to those newer technologies that are coming down the pipe. Um, but, but I think that as the next generation of urologists and residents come through and they see this, uh, and they see the nurse in the corner pumping up a pressure bag, and then they need another one right away, uh, it makes a big difference when instead you can just press a button to go from a low pressure to a high pressure, from a rigid scope to a flexible scope or what you need. 
So I, I really think it's just a matter of people trying out flexible technology and seeing how it integrates with them in their practice. Fantastic. I, you know, I think we're all looking forward to what the next uh, step is. I, I, I mean, I personally, it, it's almost like a Star Wars operating room just for ureteroscopy and percutaneous. I'm pretty excited to, to see what the next step is. So, well, I'd like to close out and, and uh, Dr. Humphreys, thank you so much for your uh, valuable insight on behalf of the Richard Wolf Medical Journal of Endourology and Endourological Society. Uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Humphreys and uh, his uh, insight into fluid management in urologic procedures. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm.